and welcome. Today is Monday, June 29th, and this is another episode of Man Day Monday. We'll talk about issues that matter to men, topics men face, situations men encounter. Uh, myself, I am Richard Cade. I am the founder of the Our Male Mentor Program, uh, the Man Project Influence Today for a Better Tomorrow. And um, we have two excellent guests uh, for this week. Um, there's been a lot of talk um, for the last few months, um, just how uh, the inequality in America has been, and I think just the history in itself. Uh, so I have two, I'm excited to, like, to have two guys um, today, man. Uh, Mr. Laster, man, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody. What's going on, world? My name is Marcus Laster. Uh, I'm the co-founder of the Man Project, uh, kind of preside over the uh, Georgia uh, aspect of it right now we get uh, currently trying to get off the ground um it's glad to be here i'm also uh founder of a, a blog i just started called driving flow uh golf lifestyle uh, i will you'll hear more about that in the future in co- uh, cooperation with what we're doing demand projects so i'm just glad to be here with my man richard uh it's been a while since we i've been able to get on and like just you know just participate since i've been over here uh relocated about a year ago and it's, it's been it's been a um it's been a journey, but yeah, I'm just glad to be back in the midst of everything, man. That's good, man. I'm definitely excited, man, to to understand text time, get time to get settled, you know. But uh, that's life, man. Life, you know, you, you keep going, you drag it, but you keep going, you'll never stop. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Holmes, man, good good friend of mine. Uh introduce yourself everybody, Doc. I am uh Paul Humes, better known as Oz. I have a uh, podcast on Facebook called Listen to Oz. Uh, I'm a retired educator, uh, over 25 years, and uh, just watching and observing uh, all this turmoil that's going on in the world and wondering exactly what is that, what is the actual outcome going to be from all of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and that's that's the the, the basis way, man, to put it. The, you know this turmoil um because it's, it's sometimes uncomfortable you know what i'm saying man a lot of people um say okay what well, don't exist a lot of people sleep on the rug um you know but but for the mere um listener who who may not get a clear understanding I'm get both of y'all guys just a, a brief definition from your opinion on what you think actually racism is uh i'll go first man i say racism is uh, I, I, a prejudged notion of a people you have no knowledge about, and I just say those prejudged no, notions become the forefront of your thoughts, and people react on them, and um, and it just comes out to be you know a lot of no under from misunderstanding to no understanding to I don't want to understand, and uh, I think that's the climate of everything right now. Right, right, right. What you would you say, uh, Oz? He he's 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 pretty much put it right on context. Yeah. The way that everything I think is a mental illness, and the reason why I feel that it's a mental illness is that when you have that much hatred, and we're talking malicious hatred in a view about a certain race. Uh, when there's really there's no there's no explanation there's no tangible intelligent explanation for the hatred 
all for the misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Blacks and whites have been together for over 400 plus years. And yet, we're still going through the same rhetoric that we went through the 50s and 60s. This is the 21st century, and you still have this misunderstanding of this miscommunication of not knowing each other when both cultures have mixed together. You cannot separate the two. I mean, right. soul cooking and country cooking is one of the same. Absolutely. If your folks were raised on the farm, or if you had authentic grandparents and great aunts and uncles like I had, I was raised off of uh, soul food. I, I, I know how, I personally know how to cook chitlins. I have eaten chitlins. I know about uh, fried chicken, vegetables, you, good, you know, lard, and I know about all of this. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and for there to be this misunderstanding, it has to be some type of mental illness that people would want to argue that it couldn't be. Well, there is, since everyone wants a reason or a cause, it has to. It has to be because of a mental illness. There's something wrong with us. Yeah. You know, I'm, I like to say that I'm a disciple of Dr. Jane Elliott, and who has pretty much unveiled the secrets of of everything there's there's only there's only it's it's a human race there's only one race it's a human race it's not the black race it's not the white race it's the human race and anyone with any type of intelligence would know that all of us arrive from a black woman we have those we have those genes from that black woman now because of my individuals of my uh, group wanting to migrate up to the Caucasian mountains, of course, we became louder in skin. But yeah. it's just one human race and for mm -hmm. all this hate and this malicious hate, it's, it's just it's just downright vile, malicious hate. And it's got, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that because of what's happening now, that it may have expedited the change but it change is going to have to come now. Whether or not it comes during my time, I'm 60. I don't know. I don't think that change will come, but it's coming. Right. Let me get your let me get your idea on this. Uh, you saying you're 60, so you were like in your 20s around the time of of, of civil rights. Right. I was three years when when the marchers marched from Selma in '63. My mm. dad took us down to Mon downtown Montgomery. I was raised in Montgomery. Okay. And I remember distinctly seeing this huge group, this huge crowd marching downtown. So we're talking that it has not been over 100 years. We're talking about 57 mm -hmm. years. It ain't no time. That's no time. 57, you know, people were thinking, well, this happened a long time ago. It did not happen a long time ago. It happened 57 years ago for my, for me being three years old. 57 years old. Yeah. That's not old at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true, man. I was, I was looking at where, um, I'm looking at where, I'm trying to see where it's at. Um, I couldn't find, but one thing I think there's a miscus like the one one thing the main thing that you were saying is about the misunderstanding and miscommunication, mm -hmm. and I think 
you know, culturally, you know, when you have something that you don't understand or you don't, um, you're not grasping, you know, you, you actually find out. And I think what what I've seen, even with the um, Black Lives Matter thing, I've seen where people automatically um, connect that to, oh, this is a radical group. You know what I mean? Um, because they fail to really, you know, understand. They go with what they want to see. Sometimes it's what they want to see. And, and, and most of the times they don't, like you said, there's a misunderstanding, um, you know, about it. Because I don't think, honestly, I didn't know or understand the detail of the group itself until I think back when, um, a little after the Trayvon Martin incident happened. And people were saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, I understood that. But then when the group came, you know, I didn't, I, honestly, I, I didn't think, I, I said I didn't think much about it. But I didn't know that they did a lot of behind the scenes like they do. They do help get your GED. You know what I mean? They have chapters that does that. And if you're not enlightenment or you're not um, if you're not wanting to find out more about that, you're just going to look at those radicals. Because you do have radicals, you know, in every group. I, you any know, group. Not, right. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you know, even, you know, even you have radical Christians, you have radical Muslims. So, and you can associate, you know, the radicals with the ones who have that mission. And I think that's another major conception that um, plays in a part. And then, too, I'm sure y'all know how the media pushes a certain area. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We put their own twist on it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the downfall of a whole lot of what's going on right now. It's hard to get the message across because, I mean, if you look at the media now, because personally, I have just like, I was, you know, I have a heart for um, civil rights matters. I have a heart for being in the know of what's going on. And I used to depend on the news a lot for my info because it was a lot of times I really just couldn't get out. Um, back when I was in Birmingham, even right after. Trayvon Martin and I think it uh I think it escalated out to Mike Brown um the Mike Brown killing back in 2014 I think from right uh yeah I think this when it's escalated and all the protests sparked off in marches in Birmingham so I mean I actually attended a couple of those uh you know in the hopes to be kind of a peacekeeper down there kind of be of a medium because you know I had uh I mean I associated with people from at that time it was Blue Lives Matter as a reaction to Black Lives Matter and I, I would associate with both sides, you know, it's a, you know, kind of a mediator. This is what actually is going on with Black Lives Matter. This is their, this is their issue, and Blue Lives Matter. This is their issue. You know, we come to the table and let's let's dialogue. And you know, what 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 will always happen is you you have a radical. You just spoke about that radical sect. Mm. They they would always show up and hijack. Yep. The potential of. A dialogue and what was going on, it always popped up and took it to the extreme, and no, no resolve. And you know, now given that you know they had, I, I understand the anger, I understand the angst, I understand the outlet. We need to get this out, and you know they come and they destroy stuff. And there, you know, people are not gonna react to that. And uh, on another phase of, that of what I'm seeing now, and I heard a, I heard a young brother say he liked he likes what's going on. In Minnesota, and it was a couple of weeks ago, and they were like looting and burning everything down. And you know, the thing that's going to get a message of people listening, I'm like, no, you're scaring people into reacting to what you're doing. That's going to be a temporary fix. You need you talking about permanent fixes. Uh, I just heard on the radio a couple of minutes ago, uh, Governor Kemp over here in Georgia just signed a, a hate crimes bill into law. Finally, those are the kind of efforts we need to push for. Uh, 
and it's ways to do that without you know destroying everything and i said all that to say is that the the voices of the movements at some point going to have to come to the table and dialogue about what's going on you know like you a lot of people are seeing now that black life black people are hurt by what's going on and it is an epidemic that has gotten you know proportionally out of control i don't care how you put it when you do the math and you do do the ratio of the population of blacks in the uh, united states i mean it's 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 a high number you know the the incidents may happen fewer with us, but when you do the math on how much of the pop- the percent of the population we take up, it's a big issue. It's happening on a, on a grand scale. So, uh, you know, your your hurt, your your hurt and your angst have to be brought to a dialogue of some sort with the you know with the parties that be, and the parties that be have to be willing to sit down and dialogue with these people and like, hey, this is what is going on, and kind of wheel back you know the emotion out of it and uh like i said I, I, I don't discount any of it because it upsets me but you know like i said i've always been a kind of a peacekeeper that's just my that's just in my uh, dna and i want to you know see people come to the table and talk and then you know just talk some of these people back off the cliff <laughs> that we're about to go over if uh, we don't get a hold on what's going on now and you know i think you know even back when the civil rights movement was going on i was actually talking with uh uh, relative this past weekend about it. So if you think about it, you know, right now, you know, the church is kind of not really, really in a... There is, there is no church. They're not... It's, I, it's just a, see them. The, the, they quiet. The, they're quiet, yes. They're quiet. And they're, then... Exactly. The civil rights movement, what the, the rock of the movement was the church. That's where the places where they met they organized, they strategized, because like say, like Mr. I said, he went, his daddy took him downtown Montgomery in 63 to the, um, when they all had to march, and he saw this for himself, but you know, that didn't happen overnight, that happened from meeting and having these meetings in churches, you know, you go to sun, the Sunday morning sermons were strategy plans, they were you know, bi- biblically based strategy plans, and this is how we're going to execute you know, that's, that, that's what I see that's missing now. You know, that, that secular church, like the church I attend over here uh, in, in Georgia, in the metro Atlanta area, they are very hands-on in in that radical movement. And the thing is, it's like, you know, not to discount anybody that's going to help anything, but, you know, you're talking about black issues. A lot of the black leaders from the church are not at the front of the charge that's going on here they're they're quiet you're getting behind you know these white brothers that are standing that are putting it out there they can only go so far right as far as it goes and they can help and throw resources in in anything to get this back on point but they can't lead the charge for people who are you know at a at uh, oppressed for you know lack of better definition you know it's like you know where where are these people there like, like Mr. I say it's like almost like the church is not there they're quiet they have a reserve and went back into their buildings but if you understand the very essence of what the church means it, it comes from the Greek word ecclesia the Greek word ecclesia means to call out that's to get beyond the four walls of the church we are if you understand that you are the church that's just a, a building that that that's a physical building four walls you go you, you do what you do and the, the object is to go get fed 
take that, apply it to your lifestyle and go back out to the world and make disciples. That's what it's designed to do. That's what the civil rights movement in itself was. You know, they learned, they strategized, they went back out. They had a solid single message. Everybody was on one accord. Now, don't get me wrong, there were radicals back in the day. You had people who right. came but from they them. they knew their place, so. Exactly. Everybody was in their lane. Exactly. And they executed. And it worked. You know, like, your lives were lost. The hoses in Birmingham, the dogs in Birmingham, we yeah, the bomb, Birmingham. All of that happened. But, you know, the, the thing was from the offensive, it wasn't. We tearing everything down to get our point across. It it took, yeah, it took lives, it took energy, but it took strategize, execution, and planning to get those things done. It wasn't an emotional outburst, and we're gonna run on this and expect change to happen in an organized fashion. You know, chaos does not <laughs> birth, or you know, it does not birth organization. It does not birth civilized things. The chaos begats chaos and it just goes on and on and then where does it stop you know that's what i'm that's what i mean that's what i'm afraid of right now because it's you know i mean losing i want to say losing the vision because you have organizations you know within the in in the country that i have seen that has you have a a few states like you said you know change some some things into law right you think about the civil rights you know it wasn't to you know make white people realize it was to purge institutional racism absolutely so that blacks have equal access and, and I, at the end of the day you know i've said I, I don't know if you've been in the group homes in this group called western jefferson uh and i tell them all the time i've seen they've you know they're quick to, to show out you know what is it that blacks do wrong blacks do wrong you know and mm-hmm. that's one thing like i said people feed you know they they like get get and you know happy to see somebody something else mm-hmm. doing wrong you know that's not their race you know and i said you know would you want to see uh somebody child you you don't know you know be harmed you know so why would you laugh at another race that's you know feeling this pain right now you know can't, you know can't, you can't have any kind of empathy toward them to understand right. you know, where it comes from i said that the you know civil rights was to have equal access to jobs housing education those are the main key things that have been institutionalized you know right Automatically for years is housing, jobs, and education. Um, what you about to say, uh, uh, Holmes? Uh, when I was raised, we had different communities, and we were raised in that community. And in that community, we had every whatever denomination you had a church for that denomination. Uh, the community took care of the community. Uh, It was unheard of for you to go across town to a Baptist church when you had a Baptist church that was in your community. You had that togetherness. Everyone knew the family of whoever. And you you weren't allowed, (laughs) if you were a child, you weren't allowed to do anything unless an elder or an adult allowed you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have that. You don't have that anymore. People will go past three or four of the denominations to go across town. And then you have uh, what I call these splinter churches that all of a sudden pop up. 
<laughs> and we're not going. I'm not going to name no certain church. But, uh, yeah. People know pretty much my my opinion about a certain church. Uh, when you in a white church, when you reach a certain population, or when you when you you can start out small, and your 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 uh, standard or your goals or or can be simple and can be strong and built upon the word, whatever that is. But once you start expanding and once you start growing, instead of modifying what your philosophy is, you get all muddled and muddied and dirtied and whatever to the point to where you forget exactly why the origin of the church was. Mm -hmm. Um, I would wager conservatively 95% of mega churches, predominantly white mega churches, support the orange idiot. <laughs> and my main thing is, is that because of the COVID uh, virus, because of these, uns- these senseless murders, and then because of this idiot that you have in power, all of it is basically has come and has collided into what you have now. The United States is still a young country. It is not as old as Europe. Right. And so what the United States is going through now is what I like to classify as the teenage years. And those of us who have gone through the teenage years, you know that we were kind of, we were buck wild. Mm -hmm. Uh, We questioned. We uh, changed. We modified. We were angry. And that's exactly what we're going through now. Um, the orange idiot was a catalyst. He's not the cause of the problems. He's a catalyst because the problems have always been here, but we were, we just did not want to deal with them. Mm. So now you have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And it is how you deal with it is really going to be the question to the black community. I am at times reluctant uh, to say anything especially when it comes to the black community because of me being white uh, I graduated from Alabama State University uh, I have my bachelor's and my master's from state state prepped me state uh, prepared me for Birmingham uh, it instilled in me I learned a lot from state so um, one of the few whites looking inside out, but at the same time, I have to be cautious because even though I understand I can empathize and understand empathize, I hate the word sympathy because I think that it's just a way of people easing their conscience because nine times out of ten, they don't give a happy goddamn how you feel. But to ease their conscience, they want to say, well, I can sympathize with you. I don't want you to sympathize with me. If you cannot empathize with me, well, you need to leave me alone. So I can empathize with what's going on. But at the same time, in the bigger picture, with me being a wasp, with me being a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant man over 50, I have to acknowledge that I have white privilege. Whether or not I want it or not, I can't help it. 
but I can use what I have been given to make sure that it benefits those individuals around me that I love, that I respect, that I look up to. Anytime I can come inside and I can close my door and know that with certainty that nothing is going to happen to me. Whereas if I were black, you know, if I were black, I would be worse than Malcolm X in his earlier days because <laughs> I would be so insecure <laughs> and I would probably try to beat the shit out of everybody that looked at me wrong. <laughs> so, so you wouldn't have made but it. At the I can come in and I can close my door. Whereas I know that with with black males, they don't have that privilege. And it's sort of like you being over in Vietnam and you have this par- paranoia because, you know, with the Viet Cong and the Vietnamese, they were one and the same, but the soldiers didn't know who was the enemies and who what weren't. And it comes down to the same thing with these white folks. You don't know who your friends are. You don't know who your enemies are. And it's all like paranoia because, you know, you're dealing with the 365 days, 24 hours and all that. And you get to the point to where you get tired But I don't, I, you know, I, 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 I that for the four years that I were at stake, I, you cannot, I cannot even compare it to 24 years, 36 years of dealing with the bullshit because you look at me because of my skin. You're not looking at me of my character, but you're looking at me because of my skin. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was at state, I was in everything that they would allow me to be in at state. <laughs> and so, uh, Mr. Wheeler was this, uh, was an Omega over at state. He worked downstairs in the uh, opera uh, where the uh, phone uh, place was, and he was always in the meeting. So, and he was a friend of mine. So he said he came up to me one day when I was going to the cafeteria. He said we had a discussion about you. I said, Oh goodness, Mr. Wheeler, why now? He said, well, they were saying that they needed a token. They needed a white token on a committee, and your name came up. And I told him that there ain't no way human is going to be no token because he ain't going to keep his mouth shut. I said, I appreciate you for that because you know I'm not going to keep a mouth shut. And as for being a token, I'm not going to be no pawn for nobody, and I'm not going to be a token. If you ask for my opinion, I'm going to give it. Now, it may not be what you want, but I'm not going to be a talk token and I'm not going to be a pawn to anybody. So those four years, I learned a lot. And I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know how y'all deal with it. Uh, I say prayer and patience, my brother. <laughs> but you know, you know, everybody was, you know, and see, and and, and I, God knows, I believe in prayer. Yeah. I believe in the power of prayer. So what I'm about to say, it sounds contradictory. Oh, go ahead. But I, I don't mean for it to sound contradictory because a small, and I apologize for babbling, but a small thing. I was diagnosed with myasthenia gravis. I was the first mascot over at state. And so I was having trouble. There was one routine that I had to learn. And so I started having trouble with my legs and all and my muscles. And so finally, after a long extension research and all that, they found out that I had myasthenia gravis. And this devastated me because when you go from being a fat uh, white boy, and then all of a sudden, you because I had to lift weight, so all of a sudden you have muscles. And then my roommate, Steve, 
he used to always make jokes of me because when I would come in from the showers, I would always brush my hair. My chest muscles were moving. I would be fascinated with his <laughs> chest muscles because I never had muscles in my life. <laughs> and so, you know, he was like, man, you freaking. I said, listen, you black, you always had muscles. Listen, I'm white. I'm just getting my leave me alone. <laughs> so, you know, I finally developed these muscles that I never knew I had. And then all of a sudden I lost them. Mm. And so my grandmother took me and sat me at the kitchen table and she said listen she said that doctor can only tell you so much he does not have the last say so she said that i want you to go to your room i want you to pray i want you to pray earnestly i want you to pray with, with the most faith that you could come up with and you ask god to give you comfort to give you strength and to give you what you need so I understand the power of prayer because I'm still here. And that was in 82. And the doctors gave me six weeks to a year to live. So that's been over 30 something years. So I believe in the power of prayer. So what I'm about to say, don't get, I, don't, I hope I don't miss it. Just do so much with prayer to the point to where you can just, you know, you pray till you can't pray no more. And you see, still you see these idiots out here with all this bullshit. Yeah. And you just get to the point to where, and please forgive me, you get to the point to where you say, fuck prayer. Since the prayer ain't getting nowhere, I'm just going to do what, and I just have to suffer the consequences later. You're good. And so when you deal with white folks, you have to get to the point This you know, white folks don't like loudness. White folks don't like mm-hmm. this um, uh, erratic behavior. Yeah, they, they you know, they, they get scared and all. They right. don't like for, for this loud talk and all. And so, you know, they get scared. And so, you know, you either do that or you hit them in the pocket because, you know, white folks like their money. Oh, yeah. That's the, man, that's one of the things. I didn't mean to cut you off and let you continue. I think, like you said, I love how we are strategizing and we're hurting their pockets by not, you know, I've seen the increase. I've looked online. I've done, like, I don't look at the main media for news this mm-hmm. much. Like, like I look at, I think it's News Way or something. News, I forgot the name of it, but it's about three, four different news outlets I really look at now um, that, that just give you straight facts. And that's one thing they say is that when people start pushing for these black-owned um, companies, these you know, black-owned um, bottling companies, black-owned soap, you know, black-owned, you know, and it's a documentary by I'm not a big fan of them, but it's a documentary by Killer Mike I saw. Um, where he couldn't do anything that was a black owned for three days. He couldn't buy nothing black owned. He couldn't get a phone. He could have, he had to, everything he did for three days had to be black owned. And, you know, if, if we, no, if we, I think, barreled down and like you said, hit them in their pockets. You know what I'm see, saying? That, see, that's it. You, y'all had, we had a perfect time to bring the plantation. And it's for those who don't know, I have a nickname for all the white communities. I called Hoover the plantation. I called Vestavia the old lady. I called Mountain Brook and Homewood the twins. So, but that was a perfect time to where you, people don't seem to understand when you, when you buy in those places, you're, you're generating the funds to run that municipality. Mm-hmm. They depend on those taxes. That's why uh, one of the smartest things that Arrington ever did was he boxed Bestavia and Hoover in. They cannot expand. So they're landlocked in. So they have to, to depend on the taxes. 
And so if you would stop buying in those municipalities, you could, the business people would do your bidding for you. Because if they're not generating the taxes, which means they're not generating money for their own companies or their own stores, then they're going to go to the, uh, uh, what is it, the commerce uh, or the city council and say, listen, y'all need to do something because we're losing money. And the city council is going to understand that, well, yeah, you're losing money. We're losing money, too, because we don't have the funding to do the services that our citizens want. That's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting point of view, Mister Oz. Uh, yeah, I, I realized that Erickson did that when I looked at. I and then physically, if you go look at the uh, a map of how Birmingham is situated, Birmingham is like not a. It's not a north to south, east to west grid city like mo- most cities are. It kind of goes from southwest to northeast. And if you look and see, a lot of Birmingham is annexed around actually annexed into Shelby County and you look at ge- yes. geographically it runs it runs on the backside of Leeds and it wraps yes, it wraps back around to 280 where Hoover picks up and goes back kind of southwest and then uh same thing with Vestavia so when you know if you think about it when the way Birmingham wraps around Leeds uh you're talking about Grants Mill Road and all that area that wraps around the backside of Vestavia too so Vestavia is landlocked it goes for Birmingham, Vestavia, and you back into Birmingham Irondale. And if you go too far the other way, you're into Hoover. So that was a yeah, that's probably genius on how that see, people don't need people don't know that the summit is actually in Birmingham. It, yeah, when you shop at the summit, summit, you're giving your money it, to it. Birmingham. <laughs> I remember when that, that that used to be the cemetery there. I don't know if you remember that home back. You know, the summit used to, used to be a cemetery right there. And when they was digging a lot of them, uh a lot of those uh, uh, castles coming up. It was a big lot. Really? Yeah, I because I I was the I was over the YMCA on the south side at one point, and so when we would go down to uh, Camp Cosby, down about Home Depot, around that way, uh, a little bit past there, I you know when all that was dirt because I was over the you know camp and go over northeast YMCA, and when I would get vans and get the children, I remember distinctly. That it was a lawsuit. A lot of families were suing, was trying to sue Birmingham, and I think that's what Ken K was mayor then. Um, whatever he paid, whoever he paid them off, good. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, when they was digging that stuff up, caskets was coming. You might can Google it, but wow. it was a lot of caskets coming. Yeah, there was a lot of caskets coming. And I try to tell people all the time. I said, go to the summit and shop. I said, that's Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And once you get to, um, I think, what's the name of that? Uh, it's that Mexican restaurant on the left side. That's that's where Hoover's. I mean, that's where Shelby kind of starts. Yeah. But the, the because you know on two eighty, what you have, what is it? You have about seven, or was it four or five jurisdictions? Uh-huh. Yeah, you, know, you, you do. Shelby County. Yep. You got Jefferson County. And you got Hoover. You have Birmingham. Yeah. You have Hoover. And Mount Brook, isn't it? <laughs> and Mount. So because I know for I know a friends from Atlanta came over and I told them you need to watch out for two eighty. Because they're crazy, and they didn't believe me, and they came in mad with me because they had four tickets. They had one from Jefferson County, they had one from Shelby County, they had one from Hoover, and one for uh, another place. And they said, "Look at this." I said, "I told y'all, them folks are stupid out there, two eighty." 
And they yeah. gang up on everybody. And if you mm-hmm. watch, all of the municipalities are lined up like they do when you come across the Alabama border uh, to Georgia. Uh-huh. All of them are lined up. Yes. And I expect- <laughs> so when one stops you, everybody <laughs> stops, stops you because you have gone through their district. Absolutely. I experience that all the time when I'm back and forth between. Uh, actually, I was, I, I was on that road today coming back into uh, Georgia from Alabama. And you, you, you're you exactly right. It, municipalities are lined up as soon as you hit the state line. You have to deal with the Georgia State Patrol, that first county. Yes, I think it's Carroll County. Then you got Douglas County right behind it. So people yes, are. Sir. They are lined up one there. Right there. When you go when you go past the arrest, yes, yeah, absolutely. You to slow down, absolutely. Because them folks over there on the left hand side. <laughs> there, yeah. And uh, and I w- I would say one thing. Uh, you know, um, I was and I was actually talking with my cousin last night about, and we were talking about you know just black businesses, and I I'm in the phase of building my um my I'm working on my second one now. Um, and I was just telling her that. She asked me what's the difference. She asked me was I settled in Georgia. I said, yeah. So I'm, I, you know, I didn't realize until I came back home to Birmingham, a couple of visits, and I had really, I've only been back like four times since I've been over here. It's been about a year, and I was telling her that the black community over here moves different from what you see in Birmingham, and I was, yes, and I was explaining to her that you know I was like you can go on Facebook and look and see the way black businesses and network over here because uh, I was telling her like you know I put an idea out and people were like yeah you, you know if you if you do it let me know what you need they, they immediately resources right. that were black owned I didn't have to yeah. go beyond and um uh, because I got one project I'm working on and um my wife's cousin is uh she's a black business owner she makes uh artisan jewelry and I told her what I needed immediately she I got I got connected to two people just like that so yeah. it, 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 I was letting her know that the, you know, the rate that blacks move over here, and I tell her the difference between Atlanta and what happened in Birmingham. Birmingham was kind of the cradle of the civil rights movement. You got a lot of people still there that are, you know, not they were there when it happened, and they are still, you know, the old guard is still there, and it's changing. It. It's changing slowly because you see with Mayor uh, Mayor Woodford and everything, you can see the guards changing. But in Atlanta, you always had that progressive. Mindset. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Atlanta had its share of you know issues too. It's still in the south, but the 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 mindset of people over here is it's a lot different. They're more progressive. They know how to move beyond. You know, they don't let circumstances get, get, get them up. Get, get recognition. They they beyond getting recognition. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know you want you start a business. Hey, I know this person that does this, and you link up like us. Like what I'm working on now. One of my projects is. I like to play golf. I started playing in 2008 back in Birmingham. But when I moved over to Atlanta, it's a whole lot of minorities that yeah. into golf and it's on different levels and they come from all different backgrounds. You know, I meet people that have backgrounds similar to mine. I grew up in North Birmingham, uh, Evergreen Bottom, Julia Hills area. I know I came out of what you would call the hood and uh, migrated over here. You got people that come from, you know, uh, over here, things zone something, you know, zone one zone two you know each, each zone has a bad reputation you know but, right uh but you have people over here they also say people from inside the perimeter which is not side 285 have different mentality people outside of the perimeter but you have a lot of people like uh that are you know took up golf and they kind of got them out of their you know their surroundings and you know they took on to the game you know so uh and I, when i had conversations with them we have a lot in common, I didn't think that demographic existed, so you know, let me say, hey, I want to build a platform 
that brings that together. And I'm a free, I, I believe myself to be a free thinker. And I like to have these kind of discussions we're having now. So I'm creating something that meshes those two things together where, you know, if you if you got a, a group of four going to play golf, instead of drinking a six pack on the course, y'all can have a discourse and a, a dialogue to get you through the game and, and still have fun doing it. So right. those, those are the kind of things that people, you know, over here, I mean, it's like, once you put your idea out there immediately, they're, they're sending you resources that are black, black owned, minority owned, that you don't have to, you know, go outside that circle. And, you know, like you said, you, you know, you're talking about, especially now, we're more intentional about spending black dollars and black, in the black businesses and it hits them in the pocket. And you can see the effects on a city like Atlanta, in particular, whose who's, uh, engine is, you know, is uh, uh, lots of different forms of you know capitalism over here is what moves this city and once you hit them with a dollar hurts they react absolutely quickly quickly but you have to understand that they, with Birmingham Birmingham is basically a Yankee city mm-hmm. because of the steel mill right so yeah. you know people used to talk, yeah, talk about you know the mentality and I used to tell them you know what you do in Montgomery, Selma, Mobile. Don't try this shit up in Birmingham because you're gonna get your feelings hurt. <laughs> That's right. Right. Absolutely. They, and they, like I said, they they not too keen on the on. If, if they don't know, you know, if they were your folks and all kind of stuff from, they are gonna kick you out. You're gonna be an outsider. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that remind me of when Cooper ran. Y'all remember Cooper ran for mayor again? Yes. Yeah, I remember that. You know what I mean? That's your Cooper. Huh? Patrick Cooper, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think he did, I think he left and went down to Mobile, but mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I've I because my mom she worked for the Justice Department, she knew him. She was like, Hey, he's an attorney. He was like, but he's not known. So then I finna accept nobody that you hadn't been, you know what I mean? And I had you connect with and I think and what and, and I think this maybe the next to last point I'm thinking on, but when you when you think about it, that's when you kind of got racism within your own race if you look at it. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? If, you know, you don't look the same way I look, even though you're the same. If that makes sense, you know. But see that. But see how. How do you, as a black community? Because see, it see it still evolves. It still goes back to the church. Yeah. Did Did y'all have this division when the churches were the center of everyone's life? Mm-hmm. Now, but each remember, community, of course, has its own philosophy. But remember they own characteristics. They hated Shuttleworth though too, huh? Remember? You know, Shuttleworth. But see, even Shuttleworth had trouble. You know, I was blessed to have met him and to spend some time with him. Yeah. And so even he went through some hell because you know he had seven years under his belt before he asked or invited Dr. King to come. And if y'all remember, mm-hmm. Dr. King ego had been kind of deflated because uh, he had lost that campaign what was was it up in Nashville with the uh, the uh, the garbage people uh, no, it was Memphis what was it I think it was Memphis right Memphis and so you know his ego had been bruised so uh, Reverend Shuttlesworth knew that if King came to Birmingham King was going to bring the media and that's exactly what Birmingham needed because no one would have believed that you had fire hoses being turned on individuals mm-hmm. 
you had dogs being turned on individuals. So, you know, it was sort of like the Vietnam War. That's when, if y'all remember, that's when the Vietnam, the uh, attitudes toward the Vietnam War started changing because the news people were broadcasting everything that was happening over Vietnam. Right. Couldn't, couldn't accept it. So that's the same way. So when Reverend Shuttlesworth invited King, he knew what he was doing because, see, and, and it's two ways that you can look at because if you're working for a white family or you're working in a white establishment and that's how you take care of your family you don't want right. to or you're going to slap the hand that feeds you right exactly so you know they, there was a lot of people they that- had these preachers calling him uh crazy right calling yeah. him uh, an idiot Causing, calling him a troublemaker, calling basically the same, the same. They called him the same thing that the, the Pharisees called John the Baptist. Right. They thought that he was an idiot. He was, he was just too loud. And so, um, and then you had two different types of philosophy when it came to King and when he came to Reverend Shuttlesworth, because Reverend Shuttlesworth said that he didn't have time to sit down and think. He wanted action. Whereas with Dr. King, Dr. King was analytical. He needed to think and strategize, right. and so Reverend Shuttlesworth said he didn't. He didn't have time for that shit. He he wanted it, and so he went to do it. Right. And so the thing that hurts me the most, Birmingham campaign was Reverend Shuttlesworth's campaign. It was not Dr. King's campaign. And so, and everybody needs to understand that King was invited by Reverend Shuttlesworth. So for people to all of a sudden say this, it was King's campaign. It was not King's campaign. Mm-hmm. It was Reverend yeah. Shuttlesworth's campaign. That's that's one of the biggest things that I I, I took a group of boys to uh, church uh, early this year, man. And um, the pastor there, he's phenomenal. I, I and it's crazy. It's, you have so many undeserving pastors, man. Pastor there at Shuttleworth Church, man. And I tell you, he, I mean, because, you know, and I asked him, I said, you know, why are you not getting, you know, all this recognition? But it, like, it come back to self racism, you know what I mean? And, you know, he couldn't really go in detail. And I thought, research a little bit, you know, you know, looking at the underlying thing of it, um, what he stood for and how long he, like you said, he was radical, man. He, you know. But see now, you, now when you use the word radical, you have to take I it mean, in the proper perspective. Okay, he, he was, was radical in that he went against the grain. He wasn't yeah. crazy because you know yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody yeah, wants to say right. that yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. radical, you're crazy. Right, right. He right. was yeah. radical he was, yeah. in that he, he went against the grain. Uh huh. Yeah, he went against the grain, and he was he was. I'll tell you this: he was phenomenal. I ain't gonna say he's radical. He was phenomenal in his own right. Yes, sir. Um, I know. I'm, I'm sure you heard Holmes the picture. Where he was, where this um, white man came to shake his hand at the bus station, when black people wasn't supposed to be there, and the picture of that man, they said that man had got so many death threats that um, black people had to hide him. Wow! And, he, and they had to, um, he had to drive from Birmingham to Georgia to escape and flew up north uh, because they bombed his house. They tried to kill him several times because. Um, you wasn't supposed to. If you see a black man being disrespectful, you can't acknowledge that black man. So this white man shook Shuttleworth's hand, shook his wife's Shuttleworth's hand. They were waiting for a, a bus, and I mean the train downtown of Birmingham. And so um, somebody took a picture of it. I'm gonna find it and send it to you guys. But 
but then he started mm-hmm. threatening a white man's life just because he shook Shutterworth's hand. That's all he ever did. So after he got all those, Shutterworth got a group of guys to hide him for about two, three days, got him a ticket. He had to lay, he had to, he went, they put him in a hearse in a casket and they had to drive from Birmingham to Georgia just to get out the state alive. Wow. Because nobody had to think to, you know, go inside of a hearse. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when you think about how deep that hate goes, um, it's, it's it's like I said, it's beyond stupidity. It's it's and um it's it's it's, it's crazy. Um, and what I've told people before, um, and 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 I I've, I'm sure you guys seen on social media. You know, I'd be like, you know, what kills you to acknowledge that another race is hurt? You know what I'm saying? What right? What's wrong that you can't? Say okay, well you know, you know what? I understand that you know there has been a lot of unjust things going with your guys, and I'm support how you guys feel. And you why know? do you always have to bring you know white folks when, when when black folks bring up about all the prejudices and all the injustices? Mm-hmm. White folks, we want to always say, well, we experience it, and I, I, I want to scream at them so much. It's like, listen, we ain't talking <laughs> about you right now because what you experience, <laughs> right? Yeah, nothing compared. So, you know, it's not all about y'all. So sit your little asses down <laughs> and just listen and pay attention instead of running your mouth. Right. Right. So, and but it, see, the question still goes back. When you know that inside the black community, you have those individuals, for whatever reason, that serve as agitators, that anytime you have a group of community leaders coming together, that you know everybody's on the same page. Everybody wants the same uh, reaction. Everything wants the same change. But then you have this one element, this agitator. So, as a black community, how how do you get individuals together at one table with different philosophies? But with the main goal, because see, as long as you have the same goal and you're on the same page, there shouldn't be a problem. Shouldn't be a problem. Right. But yet, you always have these individuals that always want to come up and throw a throw a confusion into it. So, right. How how do y'all combat that? How how do you get community leaders together? Do you start with the fraternities? Do you start with the churches? you start with the businesses or do you just start with friends like with with y'all do you just start with just one element and y'all get yourselves together and then each one of you invite somebody else and then they come to the table and then by the time you get to it you have this round table of no more than 12 to 15 individuals because if you've been on the line a pledge line, you know that after you go after 15, you're really getting into rocky, uh, some rocky problems. Mm-hmm. Because after that 15th individual, yeah, I don't know what happened to number 16, mm-hmm. but after 16 through 20, <laughs> them, them, them some fools, 16 through 20, something out. But those first 15, there seems to be more glue, more adhesive, more right. agreement, camaraderie. So from the black community how, how do y'all because it's time it's, it's past time and changes you need to have changes for your children and also that's in the plus two that comes a question for you to save your community you have to start with the children 
So how do you pull mm-hmm. the children into this discussion with these adults? Well, what 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 I've did, what I've done, um, I've talked about the biggest. I, I the, the history. What was funny? We was talking about um, X Men, and if y'all know the creative X Men came about because of the civil rights movement. I don't know if you guys know that. Um, yeah, X Men was Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. If you know right. the history, of how? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Malcolm X was Professor. I mean, uh, no, uh, Professor X was Martin Luther King. And Magneto was Oh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, we'll, and, and, we'll, and, and, and what, um, how I've explained it to him, you know, my, my five year old, four year old, my seven year old, you know, I said, sometimes people don't like the way you look, even though you're the same. You know what I mean? On one surface, you're the same, but you may have, you know, I didn't say certain powers, but I was saying you have certain things about you that makes you different from others, you know. And, and you know, basically, it's like that is how I related to, you know, my kids. And I, I, I think that is a good way to, um, you know, describe that. Um, and I just said sometimes for no reason at all, just because if you think about a scene in X Men, it wasn't because they they showed their powers because they heard that something was going on with. You see what I'm saying? So when you have a race, oh, I heard something was going on with your race, so I don't like it. You see what I'm saying? So I think that's how, you know, kids are brought to have racist thoughts when you're kids, because kids don't know nothing about black people. Right. It's, it's it's a tough behavior. Um, and so this, this, the desensitize that, you know, that's how I explain to them, um, to let them know sometimes, you know, why you don't doing this whole thing, you know, why you don't, you know, take it. I, I've said it to where I say, well, you know, you don't want kids you don't want to think somebody takes something that's not yours but you know to show the, the color aspect I said well sometimes they don't you know think about you as you as you are because of your skin color and um they said okay and you know they have played out but long as they know you know what I mean um and, and I'm gonna say this I'm gonna I'm like I'm, 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 I'm gonna close out but when did you guys first either experience or see racism and it affected you. Uh, I would say the first time I actually saw racism was uh, I was in high school, went to Ramsey High School on the South Side in Birmingham, and uh, I was at it was either pre-drill band camp or it was like uh, we were getting ready for a competition. Well, I was a freshman and I played a uh, snare drum, so we the section we hung real tight, so we uh, got our break from um practice or whatnot it was uh summertime it was still hot it was like in august so we like we're gonna go you know we get a break we'll run to the store get bottled water get snacks or something so we went to a store down the hill from ramsey if you know where the uh, post office sits right there i think that's 11th avenue south it's a it's a shopping it's a uh, shopping center that's diagonal to there across 11th avenue south and then and it was tripping you used to be a little convenience store. So that was the first one we saw, so we stopped. So it was four of us. Uh, it was me, me, I was a freshman. It was two seniors, and our other guy was a sophomore at the time, I think. So we get out, we go in the store, and it was an older white man evidently owned the store that was in there. We didn't see him, so we walked in. It was grabbing snacks or whatever, and he comes around the corner. He's like, hey, you black guys, I can 
that bet I can beat every one of these foot race. Come on, let's race. And I'm like, huh? So my, the older guys were like immediately mad. I didn't really understand no sports. You know, like, you know, what do you mean by that? You know, they're like, man, come on, we ain't got to take, we ain't got to take this stuff. And he's like, come on, we can race. Let's go. Let's go. I can beat you guys. And we left the store and I didn't understand the magnitude of that until later on it explained to me. It's like, you know, that's a stereotype of black people that all we can know we're good for is, you know, athletics and things of that nature. And, you know, uh, we took offense to that because, uh, you know, he was really making a racist statement towards coming to his store. Like, you know, like we're going to do something. So that's the first time I experienced subtle racism. And another time was I was actually hanging out um, on the south side with a white guy at the time that I worked with. I didn't want to just did, uh, put tell the name of the place, but uh, we used to hang out on the south side. We go to the clubs all the time after work. You know, I didn't think nothing of He was a real cool guy. So I heard him uh, talking to some other people at work who were white, and he dropped the end bomb. And I was like, wow. I was so shocked. I'm like, this is dude I hung out with. We you know, we go to the clubs, we hang out, he buy drinks and everything, but he dropped the N bomb and I was like, you know, that 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 hurt because mm-hmm. I consider him to be an associate, not really a friend, but you know, somebody I can hang out with and I depended on me. And he would like, you know, give a helping hand and everything, but to hear that fly out of his mouth. And when I walked in, he looked at me like, you know, like a deer caught in headlights. And right. and I was like, you know, now the truth comes out. So you know, that's the first time I was hurt by it, and the first time it was just blatant, a blatant racism in my face. Yeah. See, that's, about, see, that's, see uh, what's happening now is a good example because if you have black, if you have white friends and they have not spoken out against, and it's a very simple question, do you support Black Lives Matter? It's a very simple question. Mm-hmm. It's a yes or right. no. So if, if they want to answer yes, but they want to put but, there's no but. Right. Take the but out. Do you support Black Lives Matter? Yes or no? And it's not even, and, and think about it, it's not even, a, what, what I've seen is that they'll try to say the Black Lives Matter, the organization. Yes, that's yeah. what they're trying to That's trying to jump in. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about Black Lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not talking about with the No. So you, and like, what they call it, deflecting. You know how how, how, how the farmers feel, like how they deflect from something, or even I mean, I I take it, I I pull it back. So I want to go to Trump. People who see wrong but don't want to acknowledge it, they are deflect to something else. You know what I mean? So I, you know, and I say, hey, you know, I ask a couple of people, I, man, I'm gonna tell you what I did today. I went to trust one to go get a new lawnmower. I had on my that black father shirt on today in trust one. Mm. At uh at the lows. Well, and um and and and, and I honestly I because I, I I watched it yesterday but I put it on and then um I put it on today I put it on because I just I just felt good about the shirt that she gave and so she was like the lawnmower I said yeah I need, I need to run I need to run those get a lawnmower. So I that guy, and I didn't think about it until I had one of the um, guys in the garden center had gave me a pound. He put up his fist out the blue. <laughs> and that's when it hit me. I mean, I knew I had the shirt on, but that's when I realized where I was at. I was like, oh, I am a trust it? You know, um, but, you know, try, I ain't going to drop off, off topic, but as far as, like you just said, 
you know, do Black Lives Matter to you? You know, can you answer that question? We're not talking about the black crimes. We're not talking about what. And please, 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 please stop saying please. That that, that <laughs> yeah. black black black, black that. that is a white propagandist bullshit <laughs> that was started by the white establishment to cause division and confusion in the black community. The yes, right. there is black crime, but yet there's white crime too. There's other crimes out there, so just please stop that. Just, just forget about. Well, what about black or black? Okay, what about it? Okay, get over it. <laughs> right. What they about white or white? That's the flick. That's what I'm saying. They are, they deflect from the actual question at hand. You know what I mean? That's just like if you're talking to your girlfriend or your spouse or whoever, and they ask you about something and you try to deflect and name something else. They ain't got nothing to do with going on. Because you call oh, you, you, call oh, you see one of your exes and all of a sudden <laughs> right. they want to ask you a question yeah. and you're trying to reflect. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Just answer the question. <laughs> but yeah, man, um I, I think, you know, is if you don't address it head on, you know, you deflect from it, you know, that's 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 doing more harm than anything, in my opinion. You know. Um, because if you don't talk know, I about didn't it, know the impact when I started the state, I was the only white that lived that was there. I was the only white that lived on campus for two years, and then I think in my second year, that's when Rick, who was white, the football he was part of the football team, so you know he was safe. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> when, when I got to state, I lived in Benson, fifth floor, and I had a fantastic roommate. Uh, Fantastic. So I got active in SGA. Terry Rose, back during that time, the first the first two years, uh, the SGA was run by the AKAs and the Alphas. And so uh, I got active in uh, the SGA. And so uh, I never per se had experienced racism or, or and they claim that blacks can't be racist. So I, I don't I don't know how to answer that. But the first time that I had individuals to not like me because I was white. Uh, I had an orange thrown at me by a football player because I was talking to his homegirl. Now we were just friends, but he was upset with me because he threw an orange at me and that kind of scared the shit out of me. (laughs) And then I brought my car on campus and I had my tires slashed, not flattened, just cut to let me know that I wasn't welcome there because see, I had to go through initiation period every semester because you know that's when you know every semester you had a whole new group of individuals coming so i went through initiation period and so when that was a time too that we were having trouble with aum aum was being developed over there in east montgomery and then you had troy state that started their campus downtown so you have three public universities and Mm. so it was understood initially that aum was only to be served as an annex because the white kids did not want to go to Auburn. So they had, you know, AUM just like you have UAB and UAH. And then all of a sudden, of course, being typically white, when they got their foot in the door, they started expanding the uh, curriculum and started building dorms. Torrey State was supposed to only be for adult classes at night. And of course, they lied again, but they were slick, more slick Detroit than State they University? because they brought... Um, Rosa, uh, uh, Ms. Rosa Parks Museum. Hey, Troy State, I mean, uh, uh, you said Troy State was supposed to just be an adult university? It was supposed to be at night class, yeah, mm. down Montgomery. 
I didn't know that. It was only supposed to be used for wow. the adults for that, you know, that had, you know, that was going for business uh, degrees or something like right. that. Okay. I didn't and, know that. And so they got smart and knew that uh, they were about to get into trouble. So they uh, petitioned uh, Mrs. Park's family to have that museum wow. across the street downtown. So uh, I was called, let me get this right, I was called Reagan, Snowflake, Ghost, <laughs> White Boy. I had people barking like dogs because it's a myth that when, <laughs> and I had hair back then, I was skinny. <laughs> so when white folks' hair got wet, they smelled like dogs. So I had people barking like dogs when I would walk the campus. And so, uh, that's when it hit and it was like me hitting a brick wall but again me going through that during that time you I cannot equate to when you dealt with it for 18 years or your yeah. entire life so it kind of woke me up to that but because of having a good roommate and then because of being active in SGA and then having the AKAs and the alphas around me uh, I was somewhat buffered a little bit, but I still, you know, so, uh, but it kind of hurt because it was the first time that actually I had dealt with uh, folks actually being mean to me. So how did you, I'm going to close out with this and then, um, and then, then we, we can call it. I got to get y'all back on the game, man. It's, it's some good stuff. Yeah. How did you react? Because because it's one thing to encounter and be a victim of racism, but how did you, um, I guess, respond or react to it? We'll close out with that. My roommate helped me because, okay. uh, and my friends, most <laughs> most of my friends are black. If you you know, if you can imagine that, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh I never you know dealing with that uh I cried a lot because it hurt and so uh I, my classes were from 8 to 12 and usually by 12 o'clock I would go uh to the dorm room and get ready for uh lunch and I I don't know I must have been having a bad day and please forgive me uh because this is the first time, the first and last time I have ever used this word, and I don't, I, I just, I don't use the word. But I, I was so frustrated, and uh -huh. Steve was always playing with me. He said, "What's going on, white boy?" <laughs> and I cussed him out, and I told him, "I'm tired of all you ends bothering me, fucking with me." And I started crying, and I, and he got scared. He ran out in the hall, and I threw my books. I threw his books. I threw my mattress, I threw his mattress, I threw the pillowcases, and I'm just racking, I'm just, I'm just cussing, and everybody's coming on a fifth floor asking what's wrong with humans, and Steve told me, he's tired of your asses, so, you know, I'm throwing all this stuff out, and then, so finally I get exhausted, and I uh, uh, fall down next to the radiator, and start crying and hiccuping, and I'm noticing that every time I hiccup, uh, Steve was <laughs> Steve was bringing this stuff back in, and every time I hiccuped, he would start to stop because he was scared I was going to throw the shit back out in the hall. <laughs> but finally, he brought everything back in and we settled down. So I think it was around twelve thirty, and so I stopped crying. And he said, "Are you ready to go? Are you ready to eat now, white boy?" And I told him, "I said, yeah, I guess so." 
He said, you know, you feeling better? I said, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he said, you remember what you say? I said, no. He said, well, you got folks scared of you today. Now, whether or not they're going to be scared of you tomorrow, I don't know, but you scared the hell out of everybody today. So, uh, when, now, yeah. <laughs> I hey, don't know. <laughs> it, it, it just, it, it, I don't know. But again, how, how, how do you put up with it your entire life? I, yeah. You know, and plus two, Steve said, you know, you white folks are ugly when you cry. And I told him, kiss my ass. Because then technically, you know, white folks can't cry because we do get ugly. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, but after that, you know, he, he started me, he made me laugh and I felt much better. And I felt more, you know, uh, got back to myself. But it made me more conscious. Mm. And allowed me to be more acute with when it came to my observations uh, but again state prepared me for everything and the, I, I give uh, credit to God I give credit to my grandmother but I also give credit to Alabama State uh, for giving me the backbone uh, now the reason I am the way I am is because my grandmother. Uh, so uh, I've never been quiet. Uh, I try to pretend like I'm shy, but everybody who knows me knows that I don't have a shy bone in my body. So, uh, right. But it, it woke me up. It, it, it woke me up, and uh, that little bit of hurt that I experienced, I can't even phantom the hurt or the despair that individuals have to go through on an everyday basis. I, I you know, I, 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 I and, and it's time for a change. It's time for a change and the change has to come now. The change will not occur during me because you still have hatred being taught. Mm-hmm. And because it's a learned behavior, you, you see these little children playing with each other and wanting to be twins. And there's a, there's a black kid and a white kid, and they want to get to like they want to be brothers and all. But it has to start with the kids, and it has to start with it has to start in the community. But again, I pose a question to you: I don't see how, how do you gather people together without allowing that agitating element to get imbibed and to cause havoc mm-hmm. and to stop the to stop uh, the process because you know you can still achieve everything you have Malcolm doing one way you had Malcolm uh, Dr. King doing another right way. and then back then long before then you had uh, WB DuBose then you had Booker T Washington mm-hmm. It's basically the same thing. You had an idealist. You had a realist. Right. But it, when you study and you pay attention to the philosophies, eventually that idealist is going to become a realist. And somehow or another, that realist is going to start becoming an idealist. And it's wonder with that metamorphosis that occurs with those two bodies because King was being, King was being, uh, was coming alive. You remember he gave that speech about he thought what was it uh, that uh, he had led his people to the uh, uh, fire of uh, what is it uh, promised uh, land? Uh, no, he's talking about into a bu- burning building. Yeah, I remember, I remember yeah. that speech. Yeah, 
Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. That was that. because of think, Malcolm going think, over to Mecca, uh, yeah, yeah. it woke him up. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. with you, how 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 do you start the healing process? How do you start the process of getting change without allowing this radical group to cause havoc within the organization? Right. I like that. That's, that's because is it that's self hatred? Is that what it comes down to? A lot of times, I think a lot of times it is. You know, we. I tell a lot of people all the time. I think your biggest enemy is your own. So, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I, I think I posted yesterday. I said, you know, the same way you get up and put your clothes on, you make a decision. That you can make a decision on what type of attitude you have out, what type of attitude you give out. You know what I mean? Um, it's the energy. Okay. I mean, you know you see somebody um you see somebody and just kind of energy they give off you know what i mean so i think you know when we're doing all of these these this you know during this tour mall like like you said we open up um you know when you open up those doors um to have those emotions and and um all these feelings about you know racism and systematic you know we can like you said we can strategize you know we can plan you know but at the end of the day how can we get that done you know having that type of positive and also do you do you add white people to that table right because see you know there's this philosophy going around that you know anytime there's a anytime there's a a, a round table you always add quote the the tokens or these white folks and then before you know it these white folks are taking over and mm-hmm. they're talking about issues in the black community that they don't know anything about so do you isolate it and do you do you start your program a process without the whites being there you make it inclusive and let me tell you guys something that i've matured about which i uh I don't know if it was you, Mark, or some Neville who I talked to about it. And, I, <clears throat> of course, I, you know, for him, it might have been a photo op. And back when all the preachers and people went to go see Trump about two, three years ago, you know, how, how, was it Steve, was that Steve Green or who, or, what, some preacher from Oh, that was Pastor Van from the Worship Center. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and at the moment, you know, and I, and I, like, they come with maturity. You, you learn your 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 hits and misses and that kind of thing. And what hit me, I spoke to um somebody about it maybe a few months ago and I look back at it now. I said, you know, at that time, you know, everybody like, man, why would you even go talk to Trump? What you just said at home? Like you said, by having that round table discussion, trying to pitch in the things. And I'm like, man, I don't and I, I ain't gonna lie, at that time when I like, man, why why y'all even go? What you gonna go for? You know, but looking back on it, as I've matured over the last couple of years, and like you said, you look at different perspectives and that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, well, how can you, at least, even though even though he may not listen, how can you even bring the opportunity about? Because I'm gonna, some of them are brown nose. We're gonna, we're gonna say it like it is. Fuck it. We're gonna say it like it is. A lot of them are brown nose. Mm-hmm. But out of those maybe 12, 15 who was there, you might have had one or two that said, look, hey, we gotta work on systemic racism you see what i'm saying and i think if we you know we're going to bring stuff to the table i forgot what senator it is um the black senator um who's bringing that bill to the house of senate i forgot his name scott something I think for yeah and 
I started earlier. You know yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and and like like you know what I'm saying, um, and, and true enough, yeah, because it's like they making him the face of it, but at the same time, it's something that will work. You know, he's having to, on behalf of us, the black community, he's going to speak. Look, he's saying I got pinned over ten times between here and there, and I'm a senator. You see what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, your skin color, you know, is gonna. It, it matters to to an extent, you know. Those that's what we have to understand and realize and face. I mean, I can't I can't tell y'all enough that, you know. I, I know y'all know what kind of van I have, you know, the, the my Nissan van I have, but it's nice. I can't tell y'all how many times in the state I got pulled over just because I'm black driving that van because it looked nice. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then you say, okay, well, how can you? How can you? Uh, we have to bring to them, like you said, bring to the. To the to the uh, uh, police administration, the, the commissioners, and blah blah blah. You know, how can we bring to them? How can we bring to them? Look, this is what y'all need to address. You know what I mean? Right. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I remember somebody was telling me we were talking about what something what them had done, and I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna close out, but I remember him saying about the uh, I think it's called a stamp act. He brought up uh, it was about a, when Kardashian went to the White House and blah, 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 but he passed a thing called a stamp act. And I said, well, you got to look at it from then to now. I said, he could have passed the, the, the he could he passed it, okay. Which, which does, even a bill he passed about a week or two that mandates that the police people have to um, put it into this system, mm-hmm. right? But, <laughs> realistically, how many people are going to, how many chiefs actually going to put that cop in that system like that, that he can't get no job? Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and and that's where you have to, you know, and that's where you, like you said, you have to have that meeting place, man. You know, at a church or synagogue or a mosque or somewhere. To, so to would be, you, so would you invite the religious leaders? Yeah. To the, uh, the roundtable? I will invite any, look, man, I work with, man, I work with, 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 um, anti-Christ. I work with, Atheist. I, over the last few years, I, I worked with them all. As long as my thing, as long as you have a morale system in that's not gonna um, have you look down on anybody else because of their beliefs, I will work with you. I don't care. You see what I'm saying? And, and that, and, and one thing about it, we, you know, as a race, you know, race or religion, whatever. I can't. I'm not gonna judge you because of what you believe. I need to understand, you know, your moral system, your moral values. If that makes sense. So, so as long as everybody is understanding, when you when you have a roundtable discussion, as long as everybody's understanding is on the same page, then yeah, yeah. this is that's all. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You know, um, it's the mission at hand. Everybody, everybody is everybody is everybody here for the same a mission for the same mission for the same outcome. Right. Are we are we on the same page? Is what we're talking about? Because we're not, you know. I think at that point we're not talking about my belief system and what right. you believe. In. That's a, that's another conversation that yeah that should right. you, you have off the table. But right now we have a specific mission and we need a that's specific it. outcome. And is everybody here at the table buying? Right. In? If you're not buying in, you need that's to leave because you're going to hinder. Right. To, for us to get this to, is a topic. This is yeah. this is what we're going to talk about Absolutely. now. 
Yep. Nothing more, nothing right. less. This is this is a topic. So if you got another topic you want to discuss, well, you you start your own. But right now, this is this is where we're going right now. And, and here's the thing. Exactly. Here's the thing. People at the table, people that are invited to the round table, need to understand that they are being called because of their sphere of influence to their specific circles, and they're here on behalf of them to represent that for the same mission that we have in common with people from other walks of life so it's like a representative from wherever you wherever your respective tribe let's just, let's just put it like that wherever your respective tribe comes from you are the elder of that tribe that's the representative for your people here for the same mission we're here to talk to get to a specific point together that that's what the round table is it. and people people don't under, people who don't understand that concept need not be involved with the right. round table because it's going to like i said that analogy i used earlier chaos begets chaos that's going to create chaos when you have a a renegade at your table that, so to say that's it that's exactly good. yeah yeah that, 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 that that's you know that's that's what it is and on um and definitely man I, i'm gonna keep you guys in the loop I, there's a um a, a, a group that I, I connected with probably about two, three weeks ago. I know we got another live, I want to say about a week or two. Um, you know, I mean, just to start, you know, a couple of professors from our local, a couple of doctors uh, connected with that, that we're having a roundtable discussion now on how to strategize and what strategize is about mm-hmm. because we don't want to, you know, have this momentum and it be empty. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You know, so we definitely going to, um, going to get that, that together, man. But, man, I want y'all to shout out y'all social media, um, links so that if anybody wants to follow you guys or like you guys or, or whatnot man um so they could they could check you guys out um uh, you could follow me, me on any platform at uh on instagram i'm at mark class that's m-a-r-c-l-a-i-s um uh, i'm on facebook at my name marcus laster uh you can follow my uh my latest blog is uh driving flow uh golf lifestyle uh i have a page on facebook so if you type that in you can you'll find me there um and also um you can follow me on twitter too uh uh marcus laster and um and you can find me on any of those links and i have my other blog where i can discuss the political theology at mlaster.blogspot.com cool cool all right, Mr. Howard, what you got now? Uh, on uh, Facebook, it's uh, P. Lewis Humes, H-O-O-M-E-S. And um, it's Listen to Oz, O-Z-Z, Listen to Oz. And then on Instagram, it's Fincher, F-I-N-C-H-E-R. Okay, okay, cool, man. And um, as always, T-Man Pro- with the Man Project, follow us on IG and um, Instagram on at... T-Man Project, that's T-M-A-N-P-R-O-J-C-E-T That's T-Man Project Man, appreciate you guys And the opportunity to spend this time, man I love it I appreciate uh, y'all Appreciate it, thank you Great conversation, fellas Most definitely, definitely And as always, I get out y'all peace And we out I holla <laughs> <laughs>